Chapter 8 The Bow in the Cloud I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. Genesis chapter 9, verse 13 At first, this may seem to be a strange text to choose for a gospel message, yet all the works of God are so wonderful that one only has to get the key to unlock the door leading into them to find them filled with sweetness and with help. The rainbow is no exception to this rule. It is hardly possible for someone to see the bow that spans the clouds after a storm without an exclamation of delight. One would think that it would grow monotonous, for we have seen it so many times, but quite the opposite is true. Sunsets differ. They are as unlike as two things could possibly be. Indeed, it must be true that one is never like the other, but rainbows are always the same. Despite this, we are delighted as we look and inspired as we study. The first mention of a rainbow is in the text. It is not said that this is the first time the rainbow has appeared, for from the very nature of the case, it has always been in existence since the worlds began to be, but this is said to be the first use of it. The last mention of a rainbow is in Revelation chapter 4, verse 3. He who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. You notice that the expression used is around the throne, and here, for the first time, we find a rainbow in a complete circle. We have only seen half of it here, which is certainly an illustration of the fact that in this world at best, we only get the half of things. We only get the half of truth. Take the great doctrine of the atonement. Who is able to understand it? It is very helpful, though, to know that we are not obligated to understand it, but only to receive it. God is satisfied with it, and He fully comprehends it. When we stand with Him in glory, we will see the other half of the bow, and our hearts will rejoice. We only see the half of life here. At its best, it is a mystery. Over and over again, when we wanted to go to the right, we were compelled to turn to the left, and a thousand times because of our perplexities and trials, we have cried out, how can these things be? However, we must learn the lesson that we must trust Him where we cannot understand Him. The day will come when we will be seated at His feet and will see the other half of the bow of our life, and we will know indeed that all things have worked together for good. The last mention of the bow in Revelation tells us that it is to be like an emerald. This is certainly very strange for we have never seen a green rainbow here. Six other colors must be added to it to make it complete. The color, however, is not without its significance. Green is the color that always rests the eye. It is for this reason that the hillsides, the waving branches of the tree, and the grass beneath our feet are so restful on a summer day. Is not this a hint that heaven is a place of rest as well as of beauty? There are three primary colors in the rainbow, red, yellow, and blue. If you drop the red and put the yellow and the blue together, 
you have green as a result. Red is the color of suffering. Surely it is a hint as to the thought that when one passes through the gates of pearl, he leaves suffering behind him. There is to be no red mark in heaven. Christ finished his sufferings upon Calvary, and never a pain will meet him again. We finish our sufferings too, when we say goodbye to this weary road we have traveled, and the gate of heaven that shuts us in shuts suffering out. The Cloud We know what the cloud was for Noah, for this text that I have quoted has to do with him, and a cloud in Noah's day was not unlike the cloud of yesterday. But in the thought of the sermon, the cloud is sin. It would make a person heartsick to read the history of sin. First in the world, beginning with Adam, moving on to Noah, reaching the howling mob around the cross on Calvary, and coming down to the present day when the world seems to be touched with its power, the most terrible thing in the world is sin. Second, in the home, harming and attacking that which is a type of heaven, and wrecking that which God meant to be a safe vessel to carry us through the turmoil and strife that are always around us. Third, in our own hearts, giving us wrong conceptions of God and dragging us toward hell, even against our will. The darkest thing in all the world is sin. The cloud does two things. One, it obscures the sun, and two, it compels us to see things in a false light. It obscures the sun. The cloud of sin does the same thing. No one ever yet has had a true vision of Jesus Christ with the least particle of sin in his heart or life. Scripture Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. A poor fellow converted in one of the missions in Chicago, who was thought before his conversion to be hardly worth saving, was so wonderfully transformed that a committee waited upon him to find the secret of his changed life. He answered their question in just one sentence, I have seen Jesus. This vision always changes the life and transforms the character. The cloud also compels us to see things in a false light. God made the works of His hands to be seen in the sunlight. We must not judge them under the cloud. A person can have no real conception of the Bible with the cloud of sin across his mind, for he would then certainly be prejudiced against the church. Scatter the darkness that hovers over your mind, and the Bible will become to you the very thought of God, while the church will compel your admiration. God casts His rainbow across the cloud. To see a rainbow, three things are necessary. First, there must be a cloud. We certainly have that in the world's sin. Second, the sun must be shining. We have this condition met in the fact that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, verse 5. Third, the rain must be falling. We have this in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 through 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, 
and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. We might put it another way. First, in order that we may be saved, we must acknowledge ourselves to be sinners. This is the cloud. Second, we must have some idea of God's hatred of sin. This is the light. Third, we must be persuaded that He loved us and gave Himself for us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. This is the rain. With these conditions met, the bow of promise spans the cloud of a sinful life. The Seven Colors If I would hold a prism in my hand, and the light of day would touch it, seven colors would at once be refracted. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. There has never been a rainbow in this world in which these colors have not been seen in more or less prominence. In my message now, the prism is the cross, and the light is God's truth. As it strikes this long prism, it breaks up into seven colors. The seven colors together give us the rainbow. 1. Forgiveness Scripture How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Psalm 32, verse 1. The word forgiven means taken off. What a wonderful thought it is! What a load of sin we had to carry! How it weighed us down! Day and night we went crying aloud, saying, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free? Romans chapter 7, verse 24. Resolution never lifted it an inch. Reformation only seemed to make it heavier. Then Jesus came, stooped down, and whispered to us just one sweet word, Forgiven. When we realized it, the burden was taken off. To receive all of this, we only have to yield to God. Trying to make ourselves better only adds to the cloud and deepens our despair. 2. Cleansing Scripture Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Psalm 51, verse 7. The little bunch of hyssop carries us back to the Passover night, when the lamb was slain and its blood collected. It was not said that one should take a brush, but a bunch of hyssop, and dip it in the blood and sprinkle the posts of the door. The most common thing that grew in the East was hyssop. It represents faith. One only had to step to the door of the cottage and stoop down to pluck a bunch of hyssop. The most common thing in all this world is faith. We have faith in each other, whether we express it in this word or not. The faith that one has in his mother, in his father, in one's wife or husband, if turned toward Jesus Christ, would save his soul. It is one thing to be forgiven, but the color deepens and the truth sweetens when we know that because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we may be made clean. Scripture The blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, verse 7
3. Justification Scripture He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Romans chapter 4, verse 25 One might be perfectly sure of his forgiveness, might know that it meant that his sins were taken away and remembered no more, and might be confident of his cleansing. But there is the memory of the old life of failure that is always to him like a shackle when he tries to run to God. Justification is sweeter by far than anything we have yet learned. When Christ rose for our justification, he stood before God as a kind of a receipt, as John Robertson has said, and when God looks upon that receipt, he knows that the bill is paid. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a bitter stain. He washed it white as snow. But justification is even better to me than this, for when one is justified before God, he actually stands as if he had never sinned. 4. Sins covered by the sea. Scripture He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Micah chapter 7, verse 19. It is very comforting to know that there are some depths in the ocean so deep that they can never be sounded. Our sins must have gone as deep. There is also another thought of comfort. If a body is cast into the ocean where the waters are not very deep, then when the storms come and the ocean is in a fury, the storm, as if with giant hands, takes the dead body and casts it upon the shore. But there are depths in the sea so great that no storm that has ever yet swept across the face of the deep has stirred the waters. Thanks be unto God that our sins may be sunk so deep in the sea that they will never be cast up against us again. The color deepens, and the truth grows sweeter still. 5. Sins Removed Scripture As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Psalm 103, verse 12 It has been proved that the distance from east to west could never be measured. This is certainly inspiring. However, there is something better for me than this in the fifth color, for when I am told that my sins are as far from me as the east is from the west, I know that the east and the west can never be brought together, nor can the saved sinner and his pardoned sins ever meet again. 6. Sins Blotted Out Scripture I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud, and your sins like a heavy mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 22. A person cannot blot out his own sins. Some have tried it with their tears, and they have lost their reason. Some have attempted it by works of mercy, and they have given up in despair. But God can easily do it. Sins being blotted out may mean the same as for a person's account to be blotted out. I may have a bill charged against me on the books, but if on the opposite side is credited a sufficient sum of money to meet the indebtedness, it is blotted out. 
but the expression must mean more than this. It means that when one's sins are blotted out by God, they are as if they had never been. 7. Sins Forgotten This seems to be the climax of all. Scripture None of his sins that he has committed will be remembered against him. He has practiced justice and righteousness. He shall surely live. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 16. We have an idea that although our sins have been forgiven and we may have been justified, when the great day of judgment comes, we may be required to meet them all again. But this is not true. Once and for all, He has put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself, and the sins of our lives will not again be mentioned to us. God's Covenant The rainbow was God's covenant then. Now God's covenant is His Word, and we may depend upon this Word. Notice the number of times God uses the expression, I will, in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6-8. through Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. He ever waits to fulfill the covenant that He has made with Christ concerning us. If we want to have the joy of salvation, we need only two things. First, we must believe God. No matter what our feelings may be, we must believe. Second, once we believe God, we must act as if we believe Him. The one gives us life, and the other gives us joy in life's possession.